a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So before we get into the show today, I just wanted to quickly share with you an interactive workshop I have coming up May 11th. It's called Dating Secrets Decoded, and that I think will really help you stop overthinking and start loving the dating process. So just click the link you see in the show notes to learn more. And I wanted to quickly mention that to you in case you are that type that clicks off the episode before the end when I announce it. So anyway, back to the show. Did you know that you probably have hidden biases that are keeping you single? Now, these are learned attitudes and beliefs that exist in our subconscious and can involuntarily affect the way that you think and act. It also has a big influence on your limiting beliefs and behaviors when dating. So you might be dating a couple of people thinking that there is no one who is right for you and you see the flaws in everyone you meet. But in reality, it might be induced by your thought process and patterns that can make you miss some great opportunities. So it's really good to have an awareness of these roadblocks and unconscious judgments that you are making so that you are more likely to be successful when pursuing a romantic relationship. Now, I know this is all kind of a mouthful, but it is so important because uh, here's the thing, unconscious cognitive biases are systematic errors of perception and interpretation. Basically, they're ideals that can get in the way of a successful relationship and it manifests itself in many different ways and it has a lot of consequences. They're emotionally based, they're irrationally driven and can lead to all kinds of bad decisions based on your flawed logic. And it's not your fault. It's just something that the brain develops over time after you've had a certain amount of experiences. That's why dating later in life, things get skewed, right? Where that maybe if you were dating in your 20s or your teens, you don't have as many experiences. So you don't have kind of these biases that you draw upon, but our brains are like computers. They default to what we know and what we want to see. So you have to not only be aware of your biases, but know how to override them to make healthy decisions. I, I want to give you an example of this. I've been working with a client who's actually one of my beautiful success stories because she is now in a great relationship. I mean, when she first decided to invest in coaching with me, she found herself frozen. She didn't know how to date at all. She had a ton of loss in her life, including losing her husband 12 years prior. And she knew that she was scared to put herself out there and date. And after also getting in some traumatic experiences with men in abusive situations in the past. So she had a sense that the fear was pushing men away as a defense. I mean, she kind of knew this, but wanted to learn how to just date without having that fear creep up and really enjoy the process. And besides the fact that she never dated before her husband at all, so that was all new for her. 
what we also uncovered was that in her childhood, her childhood experiences of feeling unsupported by her parents, and she really had to vie for herself and became super independent. And while she has overcome a lot and attracted this new, wonderful man in her life, it, obviously because she did a lot of the work together, I am continuing to help her because she knows that she still needs support as she moves through the different phases of the relationship. And she didn't want to get caught in her similar patterns of the past. So just yesterday, I had a coaching call with her where she had a really big breakthrough around some of her dating biases that almost caused her to quit the relationship. Thank God she had scheduled a coaching session with me so that she could really see this because she had experienced a lot of abandonment and a lack of attention growing up and some emotional abuse from a narcissistic relationship. Her fears were getting in the way as her relationship with this new guy has been getting closer. So she was contemplating actually breaking it off with him because of what she labeled as some really like big red flags popping up. Now, here's the thing. The red flags that she said that she didn't, that she had, okay, it was that she didn't like some of his selfishness and inattentiveness during mealtime. So during our session, we kind of flushed this out and I had her do a cost benefit analysis of the relationship and list out all of the benefits she was experiencing, you know, just in the relationship that she had experienced versus the cost of being with him. So we were really taking a hard look at each category on a piece of paper. And to her surprise, the benefits were not only overwhelmingly outstanding, but really like juicy. I mean, just good stuff, you know, open communication and the ability to work through things, his willingness to change and apologize and their physical chemistry. I mean, there were so many like amazing things that went on and on. And she was almost too embarrassed to state out loud the costs, which she, you know, said, and she's like, well, he, you know, he was inattentive when he was looking on his phone during meals even though she admitted that he acknowledged that and he apologized and he's trying to change it. And a few other things where she felt uncared for. Now, I'm not saying that those weren't real. And what I was trying to tell her, it, it wasn't really about the phone or about the meal. It was about the feelings that were creeping up underneath it. And, and really what she was reacting to, the trigger, the biases, was that she was feeling uncared for. But the truth was that her cognitive biases, and in this case, what's this is called the horns effect, and I'll explain in a little bit what that is, was causing her to contemplate a bad decision based on flawed logic. The flawed logic was rooted in her connection of the past growing up with other losses and relationships. So she was really grateful that we had our call to see that, wow, she, she's like, I'm staying in this. This is, I'm, I'm excited to work through this and, and break my patterns. So rather than anchoring on a single result, she gave herself alternatives and worked through her biases. So avoid your hidden biases, you listening, by being aware, open-minded, and willing to see things different, just like my client did. That is what will lead to new opportunities and positive relationships. Now, this is important because as you date later in life, 
you will have more life experiences that shape your perception and cause these hidden biases that you didn't have before when you were younger. And there may have been some bad relationships, some hurt, some loss, sickness. I mean, we, we've all experienced that. So it's crucial to be aware of what's real versus what are the ghosts of the past, as I call it, that is dictating your actions and behaviors through destructive thought patterns. Now, I know what you're thinking, you know, Kimmy, I am who I am. You know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I can't help the way I think and I feel. And I'm not sure I can change the way I see things. And I can't help who I'm attracted to. Well, if you are saying that to me, to yourself, then you will make yourself right. And I believe you. In fact, this this is almost meta to what we're talking about, right? Because that statement right there is a bias in itself, if you think about it, where you will only see what you want to see based on what you've experienced. So it's really up to you if you want to override it and and do the work like my client did, who I just talked about. So becoming aware of destructive thought patterns followed by certain techniques, which I'm about to talk about, that is what's going to help you. So you can avoid those hidden biases by being aware, open-minded, and willing to see things different. That is what will lead to new opportunities and positive relationships. So I want to give you kind of the top five hidden biases that might be killing your dating life. Now there's more than these, but I, I find these are the most common. And so take out your pencil and paper and, or Google docs (laughs) and um, take notes because this will really, again, help you first be aware of things that you might be doing so that you can change that. All right. The number one um, cognitive bias is called the halo effect. And what that is, it's inadvertently putting people on a pedestal. It's kind of like the shiny object you get caught in. Um, this was this term was coined by a psychologist in the 1920s. It's not like something that I made up. And what he found, it, this occurs when we develop an overall positive impression of someone because of just like one trait or quality that you see. And the problem with this is this effect may lead us to inadvertently putting people on a pedestal because we're constructing an image of that person based on just really limited information. So by focusing too much on one thing, you might overlook negative behavior that could end up harming you. So an example of this would be like if you see a really attractive person at a cocktail party and it just knocks you off your feet. And as you start talking to them, Clearly there's some red flags, but it's like you're, you're, you have a drug (laughs) over you and you're not even listening to yourself, right? Or you're not seeing the fact that they're not listening to you or they're talking about themselves. And, you know, I, I, I remember there was a client that I was working with and, oh my God, she had the halo effect over and over and over again, because every time I would you know, see her interact with someone, she was getting caught with the shiny object. This was kind of the physical chemistry. But the problem is her pattern was that she was attracted to and was attracting narcissistic men. And so one one night when we were out together, this really good looking guy comes in and sits down next to us and, and she's 
all excited, right? He's dressed well and he age appropriate and very charismatic seemingly. And he starts talking to her and he just starts, you know, talking and talking and talking and talking. And, you know, he was funny and charming and all that jazz. So he goes to the restroom and she turns to me and she says, oh my gosh, isn't he awesome? I said, wow. Yeah. So what's awesome about him? And she's like, well, he's, he's so handsome and he's well-dressed and he's so funny. And I said, yeah. And I said, I have a question for you. She's like, yeah. I said, what does he know about you? And she just kind of paused and she says, uh, oh, well, I, I don't think he knows anything about me. I said, right. I said, well, first of all, he's not asking. And second of all, you're not offering. So here's the thing. When he comes back, I want you to offer a story, offer something about yourself and just see, just pay attention to what he does. So he comes back (laughs) and, and she starts telling a story about something that happened to her at work, or I don't even remember what it was, but it was clearly something that was important to her. And he starts looking around. He was looking at the waitress. You could just tell he wasn't really listening. And then he kind of just comments on the story and then turns it back onto him. And he starts talking about himself. And it was a big lesson for her. I mean, it was like this aha moment that she had where she realized, wow, like this was her hook. This was the halo effect. Like she kept getting, you know, caught up in the shiny object of the good looking, charming guys, not paying attention to some of those red flag. So one strategy that can reduce the halo effect, if you are someone who gets blinded by the shiny objects, is to date more people who are, quote unquote, not your physical type, for instance, or not your type overall, and collect data on them. I do this with all my clients, and I actually have them chart things out after each date. And I have this whole chemistry analysis that I do with them so that they can compare the people that they had, you know, attracted in the past compared to the ones that are like not their type, just to see if they can create like, well, actually override their biases, right. And create some new opportunities for them. Um, and so an example of that is with this particular client, I had her do that. And she realized that all the exes in the past, the ones who are narcissists is, they, she definitely like the percentage of the physical chemistry was really high versus like emotional and some of the other categories. So when she finally was able to see that, then she, I made her start dating these guys who weren't as physically attracted to her. And one guy in particular, she just really liked online and they were having a great conversation and, and you know, he asked her out and she's like, Oh, Kimmy, I just can't do it. I don't know if I can, because I just, I'm not attracted to him. I said, look, you got to get over your biases. You need to just do this and collect data. You don't have to marry him. Just see what it feels like to go out with someone who is really different than your last patterns. So she did. And she came back and she's like, oh my God, that was the best date I have ever had because the emotional chemistry was really high. He paid attention to her. He made her laugh. They they were really, you know, they got more just, you know, personal, but on an appropriate level. So it just felt more connected. And that guy ended up being her boyfriend later on. So this is a really um, a big one and important one, especially when it like, you know, that first impression stage. Okay. 
The second bias that I see happen that affects dating, it's called the horns effect. And that is kind of what happened to the client that I described in the beginning of this episode. This is where you put too much weight on a negative trait, like on one thing. So it's the opposite of the halo. And the horns effect, you know, this bias causes you to have a negative impression of someone based on just one experience or one trait. So putting too much weight on a single trait or an interaction with someone can lead to inaccurate and unfair judgments of their character. And if left unchecked, The horns effect can actually damage the cohesiveness and trust between you and a potential partner, or worse yet, cause you to pass up an opportunity with someone amazing who could be really right for you. So an example of this is that, okay, you might see one thing that rubs you the wrong way in a profile, like, you know, the guy who's under six feet tall, like, oh, I can't do a short guy or, and so you swipe left. I mean, I'm, I'm choosing something that's pretty benign, but I can't tell you how many times I see women do this or, you know, I, and conversely, like men who are looking for a physical trait or whatever it is, even though all of the other qualities that you're looking for, this person might have, right? So, okay, six feet tall, but then all these other, like, you know, qualities are amazing. So in order to reduce the horns effect when interacting either online or offline, just challenge your first impressions. Like take time to get to know someone so that you can develop a more concrete impression of that person as a whole and make judgments based on evidence, not just, again, one thing that rubs you the wrong way. Ask yourself. How did you develop that first impression of the person and find evidence to support that or back it up based on the additional interactions? Because the only way that you're going to really like make yourself right or wrong is to have an interaction or multiple interactions. I always tell people everyone is innocent until proven guilty. It really is true. And here's where the ghosts of the past can really creep up because if you've been hurt in the past, let's say it is, you know, dating a bunch of emotionally unavailable people, you might see one trait that simulates somebody who's not available and you run. But that one thing could just be a false you know, kind of alarm, so to speak. So maybe you met that person during a really busy time and that person's like working on a business project, for instance, and they're not available to have a first date with you, maybe not this week, but they can do it next week. Your ghost of the past, that negative like trait that you're focusing on might alarm you and say, oh, that person's not available. I forget them. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you might be right, but what if you're wrong, right? Like what if you gave that person a chance and see if there was a pattern? Because here's the thing. If things happen once, uh, we don't know. Twice, okay, pink flag. Three times I say, all right, now we start seeing patterns. Then you can make an accurate decision on what you want to do. All right, so that's the horns effect. The third bias is called the confirmation bias. And what this is, is it's like cherry picking information to validate certain points for yourself. So it's the tendency to seek out and use information that confirms your views and expectations. So 
you know, it's your ability to think critically and objectively, which can lead to a skewed interpretation of information and overlook information with opposite views. So the archetype of the potential partner plays into something called confirmation bias, right? Like, so let's say you're out at a restaurant and your date spills food on his clothes. A confirmation bias can contribute to your reaction. So if you like the person, you're more apt to chalk it up to a rare accident and laugh it off and pass him a napkin, right? If you don't like him, you might attribute the spill to clumsiness and general inaptitude, seeing it as a reason to ask for the bill early. <laughs> okay, so like we kind of skew our, you know, our perception of people. And it can also lead you to limit your options. So try to resist it when you're on a date by keeping an open mind. Find the positive in your partner's actions. You want to challenge your biases that are getting in the way. So instead of saying, what isn't working for me, try saying, what is the good in what I'm seeing? How can I learn from this? What, what is this person contributing to me, to us, to our interactions? It's a different way of looking at things. Okay, the fourth bias is called anchoring. Now, anchoring sees us fixating on arbitrary reference points and it blinds you to alternatives. So this bias appears in the pursuit of a romance when you create an archetype for your potential date partner. So, you, oh, you must be tall, work in finance, like to try new restaurants, and then you become fixated in pursuing that archetype, right? Like you become obsessed and you say, I'm not going to go out with anyone unless they're this kind of person. And I'm not going to go on that kind of place on a date. I'm only going to have a certain experience. And then when that experience doesn't happen, you get upset. You feel bad about the entire situation. You give up on dating. So it becomes like this loop. Another manifestation of anchoring can happen when you set conditions that you must meet before you ever start to date. This I see a lot where, you know, I'll, I have to lose X amount of, you know, pounds before I get out there, before I can buy a dress. So then I can't really put my picture online. So I can't really start online dating. Like it's like the waiting game. But because you deprive yourself of a new experience, you end up lonely eating, you know, eat for comfort and the pounds never come off. So this is where you might do things to make yourself right, quote unquote, and keep you safe to ward off against really what it is is fear. So how do you deal with anchoring? Well, I mean, self-awareness helps, definitely. And so does developing a set of alternatives to that anchored bias. So try listing three archetypes of your potential dates, not just one. So that would be like an example. Set three conditions that would allow you to date if you met even one of them and ensure that they're realistic. So it's like you, the only way to override it is to allow that bias to have more options, right? And then as you start dating, then you can see how much more open you become. The final dating bias I see is loss or risk aversion. Now our brains are hardwired to avoid risk. 
And we all, we all have it. Okay. So like the fear of losing a hundred dollars is more likely to motivate you to zip up a coat (laughs) than the hope of winning a hundred dollars, motivating you to buy a lotto ticket. So like we want to avoid pain more than buying into something that could reward us. In other words, in relationships, you might tend to act from a fear of rejection or a painful end rather than in the hopes of meeting someone new. So that's how that plays out. Risk aversion can lead you to stay in bed rather than go on a blind date or stay in a bad relationship rather than being alone, even though they aren't happy. So to mitigate this form of cognitive bias, you try to reframe the way you think about dating. So perhaps you're scared to go on a first date because you fear the risk of rejection. This, I mean, this is the most common thing or just walk in a room, you know, and say hi to somebody and, 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 and you don't want to, you know, risk not getting a call back for a second date. So try to change the way you think about the excursion and view it as an opportunity as a step towards happiness. So if you think to yourself, I'm going to go on 50 first dates before I meet that special someone, then each date that you go on will bring you that much closer to that 50 date goal. That is a lot more effective than avoiding one to avoid rejection. You see how that works? So don't, don't take rejection personally. Like that's the thing. Cause the more you think of it as a game or like a goal, I think the less it'll be personal to you as well. A date is a bit like a cold call in sales, right? It's not personal. They're not rejecting you. They're simply, you know, thinking of maybe what they want. And rejection is only, this is how I see it, experience that you get to learn from and you see what you like. So stop placing the power on the other person who isn't liking you. You get to say, wow, well, yeah, that wouldn't work. I want a guy or a gal who does this. And it means you just haven't found the right person. So then dating more people would help that. Okay. So hopefully that helped. And I, and as you were, you know, going through, well, as I was going through those biases, really check off for yourself, how many biases do you think you have, or even rate them on a scale of one to 10? How big are the biases? Because obviously we all have more than one, but there may be one that you're doing over and over and over again that's really impacting your decisions in dating. All right, I want to read a uh, email that I got recently that also kind of highlights what we're talking about. This is from Melanie, and she says, I am an overthinker. I have some social anxiety. It's not a pleasant combo, and I can it can lead to some depressed feelings, which exacerbates both of those flaws. I feel like the odd one everywhere I go because of that. And I tend to stay home when I can. Please help. (laughs) Oh, I feel you, Melanie. It sounds like in your case, there are a couple hidden biases, but like the risk aversion that that's also creating that loop for you. And it's keeping you from moving forward and meeting someone amazing. So here, here's the thing. I, I said this previously with risk aversion. The only way you are going to get out of that loop that you're stuck in is to get off the treadmill and start walking towards something real. And that is probably super scary for you, given the way you feel about yourself and the fears of rejection, possibly. 
And like, where the heck do you start? Right. So the good news is, is that you're aware and I like applaud you and for, for you even to email me about it, you reached out, you have a desire to change. That is half the battle. So I want to set you up on the path of success with these starter strategies. Number one, I want you to gamify your social interaction. So write down a goal of meeting one stranger a day for two weeks and just say hi to them, for instance, you know, and you just, you just do that for a while and then journal how you felt after each one. Then once you feel more confident exercising that social muscle up the ante by having a five minute conversation with men that you meet organically at the market, at the coffee shop, like wherever you are, just make a point and hitting a goal and doing that. Do the same thing, rinse and repeat, and journal how you felt. After you accomplish that, so you could do this in like two-week increments or however long you want to do it. After you accomplish that, move your newfound confidence to a singles event or online where there's a little more risk, right? Because now it's like, oh, wow, these might be like single people that I, I could be interested in or they could be interested in me because that's where the potential dates are then journal about that and keep doing that. And then the other thing that's really helpful is reward yourself after each accomplishment. Like every two weeks after you did it, reward yourself with a massage or something that you really enjoy doing and watch your confidence grow. Because as you practice and you have more positive experiences, that's what's going to create more confidence. And I am sure that because of that, your depression will decrease too as your confidence lifts. So you have the right to be happy and move towards finding a successful relationship, but it does take work and willingness to change. So avoid your hidden biases by being aware, open-minded, and willing to see things different. That is what is going to lead towards new opportunities and positive relationships. So I hope that was helpful. Thanks for joining me today. As always, this has been the Charisma Quotient and I'm your host, Kimmy Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in and make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are ready to get over your hidden biases that might be keeping you stuck in dating. I am super, super excited to announce a brand new interactive workshop for women. Sorry, men, I will have something for you in a little bit, but this is for women called Dating Secrets Decoded, and it's coming up pretty soon, May 11th. I didn't want to have too much time ahead of time to announce this because most of you sign up last minute anyway. <laughs> so I want you to, to go to the link that you see in the show notes and click it, and you'll see all the information. But it's a two-hour live event where I will walk you through my proven system for strategically spotlighting your dating archetype to boost your confidence, break these bad dating habits and biases, and become a fun dater that men cannot wait to flirt with. So if you are looking for real strategies to transform your dating life, then click the link you see in the show notes to reserve your spot. But definitely hurry because spots are limited. I'm not giving too much time to sign up. Sign up today. It's coming up soon. I hope to see you there. And remember, it starts with you and working on yourself is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 